KUAF is supported by Mockingbird Kitchen, locally owned and operated with indoor or patio dining, as well as online ordering and curbside pickup. Serving modern Ozark dishes and local brews and spirits Wednesday through Sunday. Mockingbirdkitchen.com for more information. This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, November 10th, 2023. I'm Kyle Kellums. This is a production of 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Later this hour, Timothy Dennis is leaving us, and he has one last supergroup of musicians that he assembled inside the Furman Garner Performance Studio. We'll hear that performance, but before that, we're going to ask Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics to help us get caught up in the week. Hello, Michael. Howdy. Howdy. Yeah, we. Um, it's been an interesting week. At first, if I can take a little liberty, would like to... Give a little shout out, um, a pre Veterans Day um, mm. shout out to all those veterans listening. So thanks, thanks all you folks for putting your hand up and saying, "Okay, I'll do this." Just so. like Mr. Tilly did. Yes. Let's start with a big number that's associated with this ongoing consent decree capital improvement plan. How big is the number? Yeah, it's a it's a tad bit more than I think it's a tad bit more than you and I made in a year. <laughs> Uh, it's 428, a little over 428 million uh, over a 12-year period. Now that's what the enforcement utility department estimates they're going to spend. I, obviously, that number will change just through, through inflation. Through you know, it may not cost as much now, but that's the estimate now. Next year, hmm. um, they're going to spend a little over 26, about 26.4 million. And by way of reminder, this is something uh, of a reminder, I should say, this is something that the federal government has told the city of Fort Smith, you have to do. You know, Back in 2014, they issued this consent decree because essentially the city of Fort Smith for decades had not been maintaining its water and sewer system, primarily the sewer system. And so you're having sewer backing up where, where it shouldn't be. And that is a problem. It's a health hazard. And frankly, it's no way to run a city. The city's under, still under the, this consent decree. And... Um, so we kind of got a little clarity, and that's another point I'm going to hit briefly, but through this um, capital improvement plan, we got a little clarity over kind of what they think uh, is going to be necessary. But it would be nice, and I, I've talked to a few city directors in the past, and I guess i tell you, tell you how much influence I have, but I've asked them why is there not some kind of dashboard? I think we all remember during COVID, uh, Johns Hopkins um, mm-hmm. had a dashboard. You could go to a website and see where – Cases were popping up or deaths were happening. It was very detailed information around the country. And, and I've wondered why the city of Fort Smith can't have something like that, letting the citizens know, because it's the rate payers and those of us who pay taxes here, sales taxes, we're paying for this. It'd be nice if we could know on a regular basis, on a consistent basis, how much is being spent, where it's being spent, how much has been spent. And, you know, so we could keep up with it and not have to just wait for a capital improvement plan to come out every year. I don't know. Maybe maybe at some point they'll do that. I Obviously, the software is there to make it happen. I just don't think there's any will with the, for the city of Fort Smith to make it happen. For in excess of $400 million, what does this mean for the city budget and all of that? Well, it's I mean, it'll it'll just it'll take everything, you know, the, the, it'll take everything they can. From rate payers, you know, we had, when this first hit, we had significant increases in the rates. Um, and then last, in May of 2022, uh, voters passed, um, renewed a sales tax, um, a, a three-quarter cent sales tax 
in which a little over 80 percent, 83 percent, I think, of that goes to the federal consent decree work, and that's a 10-year, 10-year tax. So that generates around 20, um, I think, around 20 million. Uh, a year, and but it's just through rates, through bonds that they've issued previously. Uh, but and that's another point of having some kind of consistent messaging on what they're spending, so that we know, we as citizens know where where the money's coming from to spend, and will there be a shortfall five years from now, six years from now? What you know, per, don't just show up in 2030 and say, "Whoops, we're out of money." You know, we're gonna have to pass another tax. So that'd be another reason to have some good consistent messaging on this consent decree. Well, let's move to something that more people are happy about, and that is um, some federal funding for a project that's been talked about, dreamed of for a while, this Slackwater Harbor. Yeah, Slackwater Harbor, I mean, to explain this, it'd be a good way to put somebody to sleep. But <laughs> it is it is important. It's been something I know that when I was at the Enforcement Chamber a thousand years ago that it was something that folks were wanting for the area. And this is going to be uh, – it'll be built in uh, in Van Buren, um, managed by Five Rivers, Five Rivers Distribution, which is owned by Marty Shell. He also operates the Port of Fort Smith. The best thing about this is it allows, no matter what happens on the river, river flooding, that kind of thing, it provides a good place for barges to be offloaded. I think this, this uh, Slackwater Harbor – that their engineering will handle eight barges at a time. And it's over. A, it's a fifteen million dollar project. The feds um, are stepping up um, to provide. Or excuse me, it's an eighteen million dollar project, and the feds are stepping up with fifteen million. So the local community will have to come up with three million. But it's a more efficient way to load and unload barges. And again, I, I've said it time and time again that river traffic is a, kind of a foundational part of the economy. That's where construction materials come in, raw materials for manufacturing sector, uh, raw materials for the agri sector in terms of fertilizer and seed and even agri products going out. So this is a tremendous asset. There are many, many communities around the country that would love to have something like this and don't. Uh, And in fact, of all these special funding announcements that were made last Friday, there are 41 port improvement projects, Arkansas, uh, Fort Smith was the only one in Arkansas to receive one from the um, U.S. Department of Transportation. So kudos to the folks at the Western Arkansas Planning and Development District, led by Sasha Grist um, and Marty Shell. They busted their tails for the last several months to pull this uh, very complex application together, and they, they made it happen. Play ball. We may be with a baseball team in Fort Smith soon. Yes, so uh, the Mid-America League is formed. They hope to start playing ball next May. Um, six teams, they'll play in um, uh, from Arkansas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Texas. Kind of college kids primarily. It's called a development league. Yeah. And uh, so they'll get that started. Um, they're gonna. They're working with University of Arkansas Fort Smith officials to use their baseball field for a year or two. But they hope hope to have a stadium built. Uh, and it would be built on the riverfront is, is what the thinking is now, um, downtown riverfront where you also have the Marshalls Museum, Creative School for the Arts. Maybe you have the Fort Kids Children's Museum at some point. So a lot of things going on down there. But And I think one interesting thing is they're going to get the public involved in uh, a name and a mascot. So um, that could be fun. But, yeah, so it's it's coming. They're supposed to have the big formal announcement Monday. But, uh, yeah, as you said, play ball. 
I think as, as you and I noted, and or as you noted before we started this interview, to get a stadium downtown Fort Smith, you could also bring in other, you could have like the high school um, championships here in downtown Fort Smith. And so have, it's not just a team, but it's hopefully it gets a, a stadium and they want to build a multi-use stadium that could be used not just for football or <laughs> football for baseball, but for, for, uh, for other sports and for other events. So um, interesting announcement. Just it, it, I'm continue to be pleasantly surprised at the momentum down on the river for decades. Nothing happened down there, and now it's just boom. Seems like every month that something new comes out. And you know, there's a history of 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 baseball in Fort Smith. You had the Twins, who were later named the Giants, and of course, we all know, we all know, right? Chick Hafey, Hall of Fame member, uh, played in Fort Smith in 1923. Yeah, sure. Whatever you say, Kyle. Sounds. Uh, yeah, that's a name. That's a name that frequently runs across my lips. <laughs> Chick or Chuck? What What did you say his name was? Chick Hafey. And do you Chick Hafey? Chick Hafey. Do you know who managed the Fort Smith Twins in 1909? Um, probably somebody who's now dead. But no, Very I do good. not know. Hugo Bezdek. Oh, what, really? Yes. Who would later coach? Of now course, I recognize the, that name. Yeah. Yes. The man credited with calling the Razorbacks the Razorbacks. So yes, he was the manager in Fort Smith in 1909. So that just means this league has got to survive then with all that history behind it, right? There you go. There you go. Michael Tilly comes to me for the most inane trivia that I can provide every week. He, on the other hand, provides us with relevant information. We'll do it again next Friday, Michael. Yes, sir. I hope so. Michael Cunningham is a Pulitzer Prize winning novelist who still sounds a little bemused by his success. Going into year three, working in a gay tiki bar in Laguna Beach, your parents begin to wonder why they sent you to college in the first place. The author on his new novel, Day, plus all the latest news Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition with Scott Simon tomorrow morning from 7 until 9. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs announced this week record-setting levels of health care and benefits delivered to enrolled veterans in fiscal year 2023. VA Undersecretary of Health Dr. Sharif Elnahal told reporters during a press call more details. The VA healthcare system delivered more than 116 million health care appointments. When you combine appointments delivered in the direct care system and appointments delivered in the community, this is the most appointments that the VA healthcare system has delivered in VA history. That is commensurate with the increased demand that veterans are demanding of us to deliver more care. Our overall demographic of veterans is aging on average. And on top of that, the PACT Act has allowed us to enroll even more veterans into our system. The PACT Act was signed into law in 2022. It expanded VA health care and benefits to veterans exposed to burn pits, Agent Orange, and other toxic substances, both domestically and overseas. After the first year of the PACT Act, we have so far screened 4.6 million veterans currently enrolled in VA healthcare for toxic exposures, which is a critical step to catching and treating potentially life-threatening health conditions associated with toxic substance exposure. Dr. Ellen Hall also says mental health appointments and telehealth services grew, as did critical staffing. I want to say a word about how we've been able to deliver more care than ever, and that is because we've hired more people than we ever have. We set an all-time external hiring record last fiscal year of hiring more than 61,000 
people from the outside, and we grew our workforce by 7.4%. The Veterans Crisis Line received over a million calls, texts, and chats this fiscal year, providing no-cost emergency care to tens of thousands of veterans at risk for suicide. The VA also housed more than 40,000 unhoused veterans last year, with even more expected to be provided housing by the end of this year. The Access Fund is inviting local nonprofits and rock climbing enthusiasts to the 2023 Climbing Advocacy Conference at the Record in Bentonville today and tomorrow. The conference includes informational breakout sessions from national experts on protecting access to local climbing areas or crags. Access Fund National Acquisitions Director Brian Tickle says the conference is worth the trip for anyone who operates in the rock climbing industry. Any any local climbing uh, organization anywhere in the country really is encouraged to come. Um, you know, you can even though it's uh, you know uh, regionally kind of far away for somebody from New York maybe to come to Arkansas. There's always uh, similarities in climbing projects, and there's a lot of benefit to. Uh, just having some cross-pollination for local climbing organizations. Tickle says the breakout sessions will use Springdale's recently developed Fitzgerald Mountain as an example of what urban outdoor climbing crags can become under the right protections. Yeah, I mean, that that project in particular is is emblematic of a lot of other projects in Arkansas. And, um, you know, I think it also just makes sense to, um, you know, host it in this region, uh, if for no other reason, just because we've never hosted an advocacy conference in um, Arkansas. So it's just a, kind of a new take on on our geographic location for the conference. But yeah, it's just also uh, a good opportunity to take, um, you know, a crag that's urban and is, is in, in an area that has a lot of emphasis on human-powered recreation and, uh, yeah, just show it off to other climbers in the country. For more information, you can visit accessfund.org. Still to come on this edition of Ozarks at Large, Timothy Dennis will leave us with one more music interview. He assembled a Northwest Arkansas supergroup. They are, they uh, performed for him in Furman Garner Studio. We'll hear that last session from Timothy. But first, let's get the latest from Becca Martin-Brown, who is the arts and entertainment editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Welcome, Becca. Hi, Kyle. This week is the Mountain View Fall Bluegrass Festival at the Ozark Folk Center. It'll be a, a grand time. Oh, the Finley River Boys and the Lonesome River Band and Volume 5, and then some more bands, and then Saturday starts at noon with the Roving Gambler Band, and it just sounds lovely. And tickets are 25 to $35. And that covers the weekend? Yeah. So this week there is so much that we're just going to roll. Okay. Because, you see, we have to talk about some of the Christmas stuff. But I'm going to answer your pertinent questions on date. Fayetteville, lighting night for the Lights of the Ozarks is November 17th. Is that a Friday? It is. It's a week that from tonight. Yes, you're right. Christmas Carol is playing at Theater Squared starting November 29th. Winter Nights return to the Bradbury Amphitheater in the Rose Garden at the Walton Arts Center starting November 30th, where you can get the snow globe things. Right. And in Bentonville, the lighting of the square is November 18th on Saturday. A week from tomorrow. December 9th is the Christmas parade. In Gravit, the Christmas parade is December 2nd. 
In Gentry, the Christmas parade is December 9th. In Pea Ridge, the Christmas parade is December 2nd. In Rogers, the Christmas parade is December 1st. December 10th in Rogers is the Whoville holiday extravaganza at the convention center with the Grinch and Breakfast with Santa and dance parties and storytelling and face painting and the Legoland Christmas display and all of those things. And you can find out more about it at facebook.com oasis of NWA. In Springdale, Christmas on the Creek, which includes the Christmas parade, is November 26th. December 1st is the hot cocoa crawl in Springdale. Mm -hmm. December 2nd is breakfast with Santa in Siloam Springs. The Christmas parade in Siloam is later that day. Fort Smith. Fort Smith Little Theater is doing a Christmas carol through November 18th. This is kind of cool because the directors have looked back at the original text Mm -hmm. and kind of tried to make it feel like that and have a narrator. And Today, tomorrow, Sunday... And then November 15th through 18th, no Sunday, the second week. November 19th is the Western Arkansas Ballet Sugar Plum Fairy Tea. The ice rink opens in Fort Smith on November 24th. The Western Arkansas Ballet presents the Nutcracker December 16th and 17th. There's Christmas parades all over McDonald County, too, starting with the Anderson Parade at on the 18th, Pineville on December 2nd, Southwest. And Goodman both on December 9th. And as always, you can send your Christmas cards to the Knoll Post Office to have them canceled. And that's because it's spelled N-O-E-L. Yeah. I mean, they've been doing this out of the Knoll Post Office for decades. Yeah. And at the happiest place in the Mid-South, it's Christmas. This is Silver Dollar City you're talking about. Yes. So I got to talk to a guy named John Baltus who was general manager of Silver Dollar City when Jack Hershon, one of the owners, said, hey, I wonder if we could do Christmas. And And so they did a survey, (laughs) and everybody said they loved the idea, but no, they wouldn't come because it was cold. And Jack Hershon said, let's try it anyway. And so early in the 90s, they spent $100,000 on lighting the square, and people came. And And then the lights went down Hill Street and into Center City, and now there are six and a half million of them. They're also doing a Dickens Christmas Carol. They still have the holiday parade with Rudolph and the abominable snow monster. And you still have your last chance to ride the iconic fire in the hole. Yeah, What's the last day for that? New Year's Eve? Well, yeah, December 30th. I don't think they're actually open New Year's Eve. Gotcha. So you can find out about all this Sunday and what's up or at silverdollarcity.com. Is that, we're taken care of for the week? I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. Becca Martin-Brown, the arts and entertainment editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Uh, Happy mid-November almost, Becca, and we'll talk again next week. How's that? Sure. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Timothy Dennis, and I'm inside the Furman Garner Performance Studio with a lot of people. (laughs) Who's here? Who's here? Uh, Eric Whithands. Mary Kimbrough. Dana Eidlin. Dylan Earl. Lee Zadro. Thanks y'all so much for being here. Um, everyone in this room, room knows, and all of our listeners know at this point, that this is my last time on the air here at KUAF. And I have taken the opportunity to welcome some people who mean a hell of a lot to me into this room today. Musicians that I've interviewed 
more than once, multiple occasions, and who have been a constant inspiration and a source of joy over the years. And I just want y'all to just play some songs here, and I'll open up the floor to questions. Y'all can actually turn the microphone on me here in a little bit, but first, let's hear some music. And I wait up 
there's a trace Of the way I used to feel about you In the place I wound up to swept me from my feet I was high enough to make my way downtown Cha, cha, cha. I, I love that you always put the cha 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 in. Gotta have like in your live cha, shows. Dude. I just I, I take bets on how many cha cha chas you're gonna do. <laughs> so, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm gonna open this up to questions. I've been asking all of y'all questions, putting you in the hot seat for so many years. I feel like it's only fair I give y'all the opportunity to ask me some questions. So I'll open up the floor. Who, 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 who's got a burning question they want to know? Seems there'll be a job opening soon here, Tim. <laughs> For someone that wants to get into this industry, potentially wants to be where you are, is there any advice or guidance you have for them? I'm going to fall back on something a guy, my first radio job at Kerm Radio up in Rogers, he told me. He's like, if you are not learning something new in this business every single day, you're falling behind. I think that applies not just to radio, but almost anything. If you're not trying to push your knowledge, trying to expand it every day, what are you doing, mm -hmm. honestly? Wonderful. Appetite to learn? Yeah. Fran Leibowitz has said, the main thing writers need, or painters, or any other kind of artist, is talent. And the great thing about talent is it is the one thing that is absolutely randomly distributed throughout the population of the world. 
So Tim, from your perspective, having spent time with the help of KUAF in the community, cultivating a myriad of artists, creatives, talented people, what insight do you have on cultivating that magical thing, talent? Or what common things have you observed working with these talented individuals? Honestly, I would say that curiosity and just a general curiosity, not about anything in specific, is one of the common denominators. Because some of the most talented people I've had in this room or elsewhere in this building, at the end of the day, they're just curious people. And they get excited about the unknown or learning new things. And I honestly think that's where the best art comes from, is from just exercising that creativity and throwing stuff at the wall and seeing if anything sticks. Well, Tim, as an artist, I just want to say thank you for providing a space for us to be creative and come express ourselves. And I know this is a uh, you know nationally recognized radio station. Uh, it's nice to be a part of that, and thank you for inviting us on as friends and as, as uh, peers. Well, it's been honestly the greatest pleasure of my entire time working in radio to welcome y'all and other creatives in and provide a comfortable space to where you can showcase what you're making and like get it to a wider audience. I mean, seriously, for the longest time, that has been the main thing that has made me love this job. Well, I'm gonna miss hearing your voice on the radio. It always feels, uh, I just feel connected and like we got someone on the inside when I hear your <laughs> voice. That's such a good point. I feel the exact same way where it's like, it, because you have brought all of us in here and made us feel like a part of it and you're here hearing you on the radio really just makes this makes me personally feel like this creative community has a little bit more say so in what's happening around our community so to speak yeah. especially the output that's happening here you know I mean, what the rest of the state's going to hear that is one thing i am a little bit sad about is that i'm not going to be a part of that anymore for all of the sessions and musicians i've brought in I did that not for my own ego i did that for pure reasons of just wanting to get it out there and I am going to miss that. I am going to miss being able to point my megaphone out to the broader public saying, hey, you need to hear this. So Tim, I know you work uh, in large part uh, produced working on things that aren't live, but, but there, there are many things you do that are live that are yeah. happening in the moment and directly getting broadcast out to your listening audience. Has there, has there been anything kind of funny or weird or in your in your years of been on it yeah and, and i guess that's specific to live is as has, has anything like that ever happened uh during the roots festival whenever we were doing a live ozarks at large across the street at the library it was 2015 or 16 i think it was 15 it was when pokey lafarge was here and he played on the show and we were told that he was just going to play solo acoustic just him and an acoustic guitar on our show, and he would do the full band thing that night on the main stage. Well, he was in the middle of the show, and he starts walking out with his full band. And neither me nor Chris Moody, the sound manager at the library, knew he was going to do that. Oh, wow. So as they're getting set up on the stage, we both are furiously like looking for all of the input channels and trying to figure out, okay, drums are going over there, harmonica's there, 
Uh, second guitar is there, so on and so forth. And you're like, getting ready to go live momentarily. Oh, we were live. You were, were live. Okay. We were in the middle of a two-hour live broadcast and like figuring what? it out on the fly. That would have made me feel uh, pretty crazy. It was it was manic. So what ended up happening? By the middle of the first song, we got everything good to go. But yeah, it was it was a frantic like three minutes. A little pressure. Yeah. But he gave an amazing performance, so I, I didn't I didn't gripe too much about it. I've got one that's piped in from a listener <laughs> that uh, asks, uh, how would you like to be remembered by KUAF listeners? As someone who actually cared, you know, about promoting really good local music, about making sure the on-air product was of the best possible quality, about... I want to be remembered as someone who didn't forget about the small details, about who actually, you know, may not have been the most skilled person at the start, but who through determination and perseverance, like learned how to do the things he needed to do. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's... I, th I think you've accomplished that hands down.
And start back over again You're not insane Just wait a minute And start back over Sitting all alone in an ill-lit bar Nothing to do, just drink and feel down and out And wonder where you are On a jet plane flying across the blue sky Nothing to say, just sit and look out on the world And watch it all pass by But I know This is Ozarks at Large. It is double feature time. We are going to talk two movies with Courtney Lanning. Courtney, 
Welcome back to Ozarks at Large. Kyle, thanks for having me on this beautiful Double Feature Friday. Double Feature Friday. I like that. That has a nice ring. What are we going to talk about first? First, uh, let's talk about a new anime that is in theaters today um, and maybe today only. Mm. Uh, these anime movies, when they come over, as you and I have discussed over, when they when they come over from Japan, they are typically not around for as long as a normal American release. So tonight might be your last night to go see Digimon Adventure 02, The Beginning. Digimon is not Pokemon. Digimon is is a kid's show that's often viewed as a competitor to Pokemon. Okay. Um, I like both, um, but chances are if you are a 90s kid, like I am, <laughs> you grew up with one or both of these shows, and you had, uh, I'm sure you'll remember the little Tamagotchis. Digimon yes. sprouted from those. They, they had their own little brand of personal pet. Been almost a quarter of a century now. First aired in 1999 on American televisions and still going strong now. We have a new movie out. Obviously, I am not an aficionado if I didn't know whether it was or wasn't Pokemon. Is this movie for me? This is not, Kyle. <laughs> okay. this, uh, this, uh, Digimon 02, the beginning, is just, it's not an accessible story for newcomers. Uh, and I'm sorry because I know you sound really excited about checking out Digimon. Uh, <laughs> the, the, basic, the basic premise is you have kids who are paired with monsters from a sort of a parallel world to ours called the digital world they fight to kind of fight other monsters to save our world and the digital world and their monsters get stronger and they evolve into bigger more powerful monsters during the fight and that's what it is it's it's battling and loving their loving their little monsters so what about 90s kids who grew up with this is this movie for them will they like it so i i think you're going to find two camps among fans you will find those who are just really happy to see their childhood heroes kind of return and get their own movie without diving into the weeds too much. Um, you basically have two groups of these kids. Um, there's Digimon Adventure, which is the original series that came over in 99 that focused on one group of kids, and they've had a lot of movies and specials and whatnot. And then the one that we're talking about today is Digimon Adventure 02, which is uh, a new group of kids. And they really haven't had any of their own movies. Um, they've just been kind of relegated to background characters for the, the older kids. Um, but this is their their moment, their time to shine. And I think you'll have at least some fans that are just nostalgic and happy to see these voice actors back in the role and finally get their own their own chance to shine. And in a film that is surprisingly dark for what is typically a kid's show uh, with some horror elements and, you know, a short runtime. I mean, this this movie didn't even break uh, an hour and a half. Hmm. Well, that's one franchise. Then we've got this, you know, huge franchise, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If I'm counting correctly, the Marvels, which is out today, is the 33rd film in this franchise in like 12 years. Well, I think you're right, Kyle. And that's not even counting all the Disney Plus series. Right. Look, you and I have talked at length about Marvel movies before. In the future, we will continue to talk about <laughs> Marvel movies and shows. I think everyone's pretty exhausted with mediocre superhero movies at this point. Fortunately, I think that the Marvels is a fun enough, fun enough movie to avoid that fate. I love the leads, all three of them. Absolutely. Uh, you have Captain Marvel, of course, is back. You have Captain Monica Rambeau, who got her start in uh, WandaVision on Disney Plus, and then, of course, you have Miss Marvel, who got her start in her own show on Disney Plus. 
So there's more homework than usual for this one, which I think will turn some people off, but this core trio here really is the secret sauce. These three leading ladies who play off one another brilliantly. I have good team chemistry. And of course, uh, Miss Marvel steals the show with her unbridled joy and charisma. I love Iman Fawad. I do too. So we, we, we like the three actors who are the leads. Uh, we like their characters. You know, how is, does it differ enough from the long line of superhero movies that we've had over the last dozen years or so? Like I said, I think this is fun enough. Um, there are some great sequences, whether they are landing on a planet where the people there only communicate in song and dance, um, to, as the trailer is revealed, tons of little space cats and florkins that are running around everywhere. So there's there's fun here. One of the things that still lives rent-free in my head, and it is a small moment, admittedly, Kyle, you have a scene where, as they are taking off from a planet and they're getting ready to leave some people behind to their demise, um, where Miss Marvel, being the younger hero, arguably doesn't want to do that, and Captain Marvel snaps at her, having been a veteran of combat, and says, we got to save who we can. Kind of snaps at her and yells at her, and they take off. A few minutes later... We get a 15-second exchange of Captain Marvel just walking up to her and saying, I'm, I'm sorry I talked to you like that. Uh, you deserve better, and, and I will try not to be so harsh in the future. And I thought, that kind of sets this movie apart with a unique emotional identity because you would never hear Tony Stark apologize no. to somebody for how he talked, let alone what he's done to them. You well, know? Yeah, I can't imagine anyone's Batman doing that either. Yeah, no, no, no. And... Granted, that's part of their identity, and that's what people like, but that's a scene that still lives rent-free in my head after watching this. You know, with all that said, though, this is still a Marvel movie, um, and that means it's going to have your standard cliches, mm. and we still have an undeveloped, forgettably bland villain um, uh. that I couldn't even tell you the name of. Fortunately, the rest is fun enough to balance these things out. Um, and, you know, I think the big thing that people should get ready for, finally, after all these years is the X-Men being folded into the MCU. Yeah, that's happening, well, I don't know, with the actor's strike, the dates have gotten pushed around, but that's happening soon, right? Well. Oh, don't tell me anymore. Don't tell me. Okay, do not tell me anymore. Interesting. All right. Stay tuned. Both of your reviews of these movies can be found at OzarksAtLarge.com and KUAF.com. Speaking of franchises, we're going to talk about another one next week, aren't we? That's right. We will have... The, uh, the new Hunger Games movie, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And you and I will talk about, what, 60 years before Katniss Everdeen. They even stepped foot in the arena. As always, Courtney Lanning, thank you so much for your time. Kyle, thanks for having me. Even though food is a necessary part of everyday life, most of us don't consider how what we eat reflects our economy. When we had the recession, you saw this big boom in gastropubs. And this was all about needy, rich, comfort food. We're getting into the restaurant trends that tell us where we've been and where we're headed. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. It's been a minute tomorrow morning at 10. Right now. Brett Ratliff, our membership director at 91.3 KUAF, is with me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. You did not bring your banjo with you. <laughs> well, why on earth would you have thought I would have done that? I don't know. I don't know. You're, you're always welcome to bring your banjo. Good to know. Okay. What you did bring, <laughs> what you did bring is a winning name. Good news. Um, yeah, it's always an honor to uh, reach out and and. 
provide some some you know a, a good evening perhaps a good time to somebody who is a sustaining listener and yes. this time we we call that have a night out on us that's right and uh, this week's winner this month's winner is Claudette Lunsford lives here in Fayetteville uh, and has been a giver since the year 2000 Wow 23 almost 23. 24 years yeah thank so you so how about that um, drawn randomly from a, a selection of numbers, and uh, Claudette will get to uh, go out and have dinner and a movie Fantastic. and a few other things on us. All right. And um, if you're a sustaining member, you might hear your name next month. That's right. Uh, you know, I'm glad you didn't bring your banjo this week because we had Bela Fleck on the show earlier this month, so we wouldn't want to have two banjo players talking about banjo in the same month. <laughs> so maybe next month? Ooh, yeah, next month. And, uh, you know, I'll just cover whatever Bela wasn't able, <laughs> able to cover. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah. Brett Radliff, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Contributors today included... Timothy Dennis, Michael Tilley, Becca Martin-Brown, Courtney Lanning, Jack Travis, and Jacqueline Froelich. I'm Kyle Kellums. Thanks for being with us. The Eureka Springs Original Ozark Folk Festival featuring John Fulbright, Brennan Lee, and Trout Fishing in America takes place November 9th through the 11th. More at eurekasprings.com. KUAF is supported by Biotech Pharmacal. With Veterans Day approaching, owners Dale and Hope Benedict would like to thank all military veterans of the United States Armed Forces for their service. They're pure and hypoallergenic vitamins and supplements available locally or online at biotechpharmacal.com.